today we've got the discipleship class to follow uh, this morning. And my original intention was to prepare a, uh, a totally brand new uh, word for you this morning. But last week when I was uh, sitting here in the service, God kind of laid in my heart that he wanted me to share one of the past discipleship lessons from a couple months ago with you this morning. And so uh, that's what I'm going to do. So I kind of got off easy. I only had to prepare the discipleship lesson. This one, I, I tweaked it a little bit, but I didn't have to do a whole lot of work to put together uh, this sermon for you this morning. Uh, but it's a, a topic this morning that I want to talk about that we don't really hear a lot um, about in the church anymore. Um, and it's a, it's not something that I looked at for a long time in my life as being a very fun topic to talk about, not a very fun thing to do, uh, but it's the topic of fasting. And I don't know how many of you have ever fasted. Um, it's not something that I've, I've done a lot in my life. It seemed like if I got in a tight spot, maybe I would, I would fast if I really needed to hear God's voice or if uh, something in my life was in turmoil or whatever, I might might fast. But it wasn't something that was a discipline in my life and hasn't been up until uh, very recently. In fact, um, it's probably recent enough that I wouldn't call it a discipline yet. But I, I have committed myself to, to, to being a disciplined faster so that I, on a regular basis I'm spending time fasting. And I think it's important that the church... Uh, uh, implements fasting as a discipline. I think that fasting is a discipline, just like prayer, just like uh, uh, reading the Word. Now, I don't think we should fast daily. I think if you fasted every day forever, eventually that's not going to work out too well. But I do think that that uh, fasting should be a discipline that's a regular part of our spiritual life. And I think for many of us, at least uh, speaking for myself and, and, and probably a, a lot of us in here, I would imagine... It has not ever been a discipline for us, okay? And it's a, it's something that's new in me as a discipline. Um, and some of the reasons why uh, it hasn't been a discipline for me in the past are probably kind of obvious. I like to eat. I enjoy food. And I don't want to miss any meals. And we live in a country where it's pretty easy to get access to pretty much as many meals as you want and to be able to eat almost whatever you want to eat, um, and my wife's a pretty good cook, and there just doesn't seem to be a whole lot of reason to be skipping any meals. And so uh, the, the, just because of that, the pleasure that I take in eating, I don't want to skip meals. I don't like it. And when I do skip meals, you know, I was a wrestler, and so I didn't do a lot of dieting to wrestle, but I did have to skip a meal here, here and there on, on a day when we had a meet. I might have to skip lunch or something. I hated that. I hated skipping a meal, and I just felt made me feel grumpy, made me feel tired. I just hated that feeling of of, of not eating. And and um, the experience of fasting was kind of similar to that for me. Just you know, I felt grumpy, I felt uh, tired, I didn't feel focused, um, and so fasting wasn't. It has not been something up until pretty recently that I wanted to do on a very regular basis. And I don't know, I can't really tell you that I want to fast on a regular basis now, but I think we need to be obedient to that discipline in our life if we want to walk in the fullness of what God has for us. Um, And so maybe you've experienced some of those same experiences that I've had about fasting. I know when I plan to fast, 
uh, especially in the past, it's not something that I've looked forward to doing. I, I've, I've been, you know, kind of dreading, you know, I've, I've, there have been, uh, I've, I've, my boss at work has uh, got cancer, and I know um, earlier this spring I was doing some fasting uh, and praying for him, and I just kind of dreaded those days that I'd kind of set aside to, to fast and pray for him. Uh, just because of, of not eating. And I, I think that is, that's the wrong perspective. And I think we need to kind of shift our perspective on fasting. And there's things that, that Scripture uh, teaches us about fasting that uh, I think we've kind of lost. There's some principles in there that I think we've kind of lost. And it's part of why, for me anyway, why I dreaded fasting. Because I, I, I really don't think I was doing it the way that God intends for us to do it. And we'll talk about that as we dig into this a little deeper. Now, I want to start uh, this morning in Ezra chapter 8 and verses uh, 21 through 23. And as you're, as you're turning to Ezra, it's right after Second Chronicles there. It's kind of one of those minor prophets. Um, and I'll give you a little historical background on Ezra. Now, I haven't done a, a deep study on Ezra, but um, in Ezra's time, uh, the nation of Israel and the nation of Judah, actually probably more correctly would be the nation of Judah, but both, both nations had been taken into captivity. And uh, so they were, uh, most, most Jews did not live any longer in the nation of Israel or in the nation of Judah. They'd been carried away into captivity. And Ezra was, I believe, a scribe or he was something kind of in the king's court. He kind of served in the government a little bit. Um, and uh, they'd returned, and they built, rebuilt the temple. Jerusalem had been destroyed, and the temple had been destroyed. The wall had been torn down, and so it was in a state of disrepair and disarray. And they'd gone back, and the, the, the king um, had decided that they were going to... It, it looks like the king really believed that God was real anyway, and that the God of the, the Israelites was the God. And he had given them... Uh, the right and actually uh, given them um, the materials and the goods to be able to go back and rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. And so they'd done that. And then Ezra wanted to go back and, and worship and offer sacrifice uh, at the temple. And so the king gave him the right to do that and gave him uh, provision to do that. He gave him the, the goods they would need to sacrifice. And so he's really uh, God really kind of moved on the heart of that king because he, this was not a this was a king of what we would consider a secular nation. This was not a king of Israel or a king of Judah, but the, the king that had taken them into captivity. Uh, um, actually, he wasn't the one that had taken them, but he had kind of inherited uh, that that territory as he became king. But he said, um, Ezra, you can go back, and anybody who wants to go back to to Jerusalem and worship at the temple. I'm going to let you go ahead and do that. Now, the governor in the area where, the, where Jerusalem was located, he was pretty against this whole thing. And he tried to stop the building of the temple. And later on, uh, when Nehemiah comes to build the wall, he tries to stop him from building the wall. And there's just, uh, there was a lot of resistance to, uh, to the, well, there was, there was a lot of anti-Semitism uh, in that area to begin with. They wrote letters back to the king, and Ezra's kind of interesting because you can see those historical documents of the king's decree. You can see uh, the responses to the king. You can see the governor's letter that he writes to the king and says, you know, this, 
the city of Jerusalem was really rebellious at one time, and you shouldn't be rebuilding it. And the, the king's answer back to him, and you know, the, it's pretty interesting historical document. But that's kind of the the environment around uh, what's happening in Ezra. So uh, I believe that the 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 temple at this point, the temple had been had been built, um, and but the wall that Nehemiah built hadn't been built around Jerusalem. Okay. And it's in an environment of, 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 it's located in an area of anti-Semitism now where the, the local government is kind of coming against uh, what Ezra wants to do, what, what God's leading the Jews to do in, uh, in the rebuilding of Jerusalem. And so uh, Ezra t- uh, led a group of people. Uh, with the sacrifice, so there's animals that they're bringing to sacrifice. There's grains that they're bringing to sacrifice. There's a lot of provisions for that, and they're gonna they're 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 gonna sacrifice and worship the Lord, and they're gonna beautify the temple. Okay, and so he's got a decree from the king that says he can do this, but he knows that there's a lot of adversity facing him when he goes into that area, and and so Ezra, uh, who's responsible for these people, these worshipers that are going to worship. Uh, he's concerned about what's going to happen when they get there. But he doesn't want to say to the king, hey, I need, we're going to need some troops because we're going to be attacked. They're, the, the governor there is very ad- adversarial to what we're trying to do. He doesn't want to do that. And so he turns to God. And, and in Ezra tw- uh, chapter, chapter 8, verse 21, he says, Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava, that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek Him from the uh, to seek from Him the right way for us and for our little ones and all our possessions. He says, "For I was ashamed to request of the king an escort of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy on the road, because we had spoken uh, to the king, saying, The hand of our God is upon all those for good.'" Who seek him, but his power and his wrath are against those who forsake him. So we fasted and entreated our God for this, and he answered our prayer. I think there's there's some interesting things about this. Um, one thing that jumps out to me right away is that this was a corporate fast. You know, this was the the, the group of people that were moving um, and, and and traveling to uh, Jerusalem to worship. He declared a fast for that whole group. Okay, so they spent, uh, I would say it looks like probably a day. I don't know that it says um, exactly how long they fasted. I'm going to say they, they fasted for a day, but I, don't, I, don't, I guess I don't know uh, for sure how long they fasted. But they together as a group, they fasted and they prayed and they sought God's face. And I think it's interesting that <clears throat> through that fast, they got God's ear. Okay, and so, uh, you know, it. it um, does a fast make you more powerful? I, I don't. I, I don't know exactly how a fast. Um, I don't know the mechanics of how a fast works as far as how it works spiritually. All I know is that, you know, for sure we're aligning ourselves with God's will. Okay, um, we're putting the things that He's that are important to Him first. You know, if you now. Uh, there, there are other fasts besides fasting from food. I think that as a discipline we should fast uh, from from eating, but I think there there are other fasts that we can do in our life. Um, one thing that I think uh, I was talking to my cousin. He 
had done a fast from electronics. And I think if electronics have a controlling factor in your life, that yeah, that's maybe something that you should set aside and 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 dedicate to God. But I think that when we when we fast from food, you know, that's something that if you go long enough, you can't live without food, right? And so you're saying you're setting aside something that's critical even for your own existence and saying God, you're more important to me than food. You're more important to me than the thing that I, that I need to sustain my life. And so I think there's there's power in that. There's power in aligning ourselves with Him and saying, I'm setting aside what's important to me. I'm going to focus on what's important to you. So that time when we 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 don't spend eating and we don't spend preparing a meal, we should spend in prayer, seeking His face, in His Word. Um, praising and worshiping Him, and so that's part of part of what the fast should look like. Um, but I think it's important to see also that it's a corporate fast. You know, uh, and we're going to look at some scripture a little while later, which kind of talks about not fasting in front of men, but fasting in front of God. And I think um, sometimes we've taken that to mean. We can't let anybody know that we're fasting, okay? And so we don't fast corporately because then everybody would know that we're fasting, right? Well, we're going to look a little bit deeper into, into uh, some of that scripture that, that, uh, uh, that talks about uh, not letting people know that we're fasting. We're going to get a little more understanding of that, but there's definitely a scriptural basis for a body of believers corporately fasting together. Uh, in this case, they were fasting for a purpose. Okay, they were fasting for protection from the Lord, uh, for grace, that they knew uh, that they were going to face a, a situation that was probably going to be physically dangerous. They were fasting before they went into that to make sure that they had the protection in the hand of God over them. So they had a purpose uh, when they joined together corporately to fast. Now, we know that Jesus fasted. We can look in Matthew 4, uh, verses 1 through 3. There's something interesting about about this that I want to point out. Now, when I fast, or particularly when I've fasted in the past, so usually what my fast will be, I won't eat for a day, and I'll try to spend that time when I'd normally be eating or preparing a meal in prayer or in Scripture study or in praise, uh, something like that. Um, but by the end of the day on my fast, I'm, I'm grumpy, I'm tired, I don't want to, I just want to go to bed, I want to be left alone, whatever. And I want to look at what Jesus looked like um, in his fast. Now, four uh, one says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. I bet he was. I fast one day, I'm pretty hungry. I mean, you know, there's times when I wake up at midnight and make myself breakfast after I fasted for a day. Um, <laughs> and so I bet he was pretty hungry. But now when the tempter came to him, he said, if you're the son of God, command these stones to become bread. And he answered him. And we kind of know the story. So Satan tempts him in several different ways. And every time Jesus comes back to him with the word of God. Now, we would think, boy, Satan is really strategic in attacking him. When he's down, right? He's attacking him when he's at his weakest. But I would argue back that Jesus wasn't at his weakness just because he'd been through a 40-day fast. Now, I think 
physically, he prob- there probably was some physical uh, weakness there. And it says he was hungry, okay? But spiritually, he was strong in his spirit. And I think that fasting builds up our spirit, and we need that time of fasting, that time of setting aside our needs and focusing on what God wants and God desires to build up our spirit. Um, and so I think that that's what was interesting about what Jesus did there. I know, uh, uh, and I, in, in discipleship class, we looked at uh, the passage of Scripture where the disciples had tried to cast out a demon and the demon wouldn't go and Jesus comes along and casts it out. And they say, well, why didn't this work? And Jesus said, well, uh, this kind requires prayer and fasting. And so we know that Jesus fasted and he certainly did in this case. And I think probably for, for Jesus, he had, a dis, he had a discipline of fasting. And so when he came across a situation where, that required that he'd done some fasting, he'd already, he didn't have to go fast to cast that demon out. He just cast it out. Well, I think Jesus had a discipline of fasting in his life. And, and so uh, he, was, he was equipped and ready, you know, in season and out of season, right? Uh, because he had that discipline of fasting. And I, that's not the only discipline, obviously, that Jesus had in his life. But I think that that was an important discipline for him. And it certainly was uh, for the, the, the Old Testament, um, for, the, for the Israelites. Uh, and we see that practice. Now, for me, um, as I said before, my fasts haven't been real effective. And there's been a few reasons for that. So, first off, um, we're going to flip a couple chapters ahead to Matthew 6, uh, verse 16. I want to look at this. So we need to see what, what's really being said here. Uh, so Matthew six sixteen through 21, it says, Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, um, we've looked at this passage of Scripture a lot in the church, and this is kind of what we look at when we say, you know, our, the, the philosophy behind not telling people that you're fasting. And I, I, I think that what Jesus is talking about here, we have to look at the context that Jesus would have said this in. So, at this time, you had the Sadducees and the Pharisees and 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 all those those groups of people, and there was a uh, a culture there at the time that definitely would have respected um, they would have had respect for people who uh, who were holy, people who uh, were were you know maybe what we'd say in our our vernacular today maybe religious or whatever, and and they they would put those people on a pedestal. The scribes and the Pharisees were kind of on a pedestal in that society. And so when, when they would fast, 
they wanted to make it look like they had fasted for days and days and days, and they'd put ash on their face, and they would, you know, they'd make themselves look worse than they actually were, uh, just because they wanted to have that social status uh, in that society. And I don't know that in our society today, I'll tell you what, tell everybody at work that you're fasting today. You're not going to be put up on a pedestal, I guarantee you. They're not going to look at you as somebody who is, they're going to think you're a little kooky, right? And so I don't, I think Jesus was talking about, you know, don't fast for for social credit is what he's talking about here. And so I I don't know that the same uh, principle completely applies today. Now, I'm not saying that uh, you should be, uh, you know, here I am kind of telling you my experiences about fasting. And, but I, I want to use that to be a little bit illustrative because I don't think I've done it very well in the past. And I want to help you, if you've had the same experiences, be more effective in it and, and have joy in your fast. But, uh, you know, I don't think that we, we want to stand up in front of our brothers and sisters and talk about how holy we are and how, you know, we fasted and fasted and fasted. I, I think that that's what Jesus is talking about. But I don't think he's talking about, hey, don't let your wife know that you're fasting. Because I'll tell you one of the experiences that I had. Uh, this was a couple months ago. And uh, so I was fasting. And I fasted on a work day. And I got home from work. And Carrie and Megan had gone to Rapid that day. And I get a text from my wife that says, hey, we stopped at your favorite pizza place on the way home. We're bringing home pizza tonight for supper. Well, I hadn't let her know that I was fasting. And she brings home you know, and I didn't, I, I didn't eat it, but I'm already grumpy because I hadn't eaten all day, and I haven't, you know, been doing this fasting thing really very well, and so that was just kind of insult to injury, right? She, she, made, she brought home one of my favorite meals on a day when I was fasting. Well, I didn't communicate to her that I was fasting, and so I think that that's not what this, is, this passage of Scripture is talking about. He's not talking about... Don't let your wife know that you're fasting today or your spouse know or the people that need to know that can help support you in the fast. Uh, he's not saying don't let them know that you're fasting. He's saying don't fast for social credit. Fast for, fast for God. Fast for, to, to build up your spirit, man. Fat, and you know, let yourself be joyful. And I, that's something I still have to work on of having real joy in the fast sometimes. I, I'm starting off my day better, but by the end of the day, I'm still kind of grumpy and, and not enjoying it too much sometimes. But I need to continue to press in, continue to make it a discipline, and continue to find that uh, victory in my life. Um, one of the things that I've learned um, in my experiences in fasting uh, recently is, you know, um, when I fast on a work day, usually what that means is I just don't take lunch break. And so instead of, you know, what I should do is close my office door and spend that half hour that I normally uh, have for lunch break uh, in prayer and fasting. And what I typically do is get busy and just work right through lunch. And, and I, don't, I, don't, I don't eat, but I, that's not doing me any good. I, you know, I'm not doing that for God. I'm doing that for work. And so, uh, so I've decided for me... There was a couple times when I actually did close my door and spend some time in the Word and, and, and prayer. But I found for me, uh, it's too tempting to just work through lunch if I'm, if I'm fasting. And so 
uh, I try to fast on days when I'm not working. Um, and I, you know, for a while I didn't want to do that because, gee, I didn't want to blow my Saturday on a fast. I, I'll do that on a work day. Woo! Can you see why my fasting wasn't very effective? Okay, am I really laying down what's important to me and, and serving God and, and making what's important to Him important to me? No, no, I'm kind of doing it on my own schedule and doing it on my own. So, I, you know, one of the things that I've done is starting to say, okay, I'm going to lay down a day that I don't have to work, and, and I'm, going to, I'm going to fast in that day. And, uh, and I found that to be a more effective way for me to fast because it avoids that temptation of just, you know, well, I don't have lunch anyway, I'm just going to work through lunch and, and just get through my day. Um, so that's something that's worked for me. Might be something that you can try to, uh, to to work for you. And don't think that you have to fast for a full day. Don't think that you've got to fast for 40 days. I would not recommend fasting for 40 days unless you feel very much called and led by the Holy Spirit to do that. But I would I would recommend building up to that. And I would also recommend, you know, maybe you don't fast for a full day. Maybe you fast a meal. You know, a supper meal or some sometime, you know, I know, you know, moms and dads are busy and you've got kids to feed. But maybe there's maybe that lunch meal is easier to set aside and just just set aside one meal and spend that time seeking God's face uh, and don't fast the full day. Whatever it is. Make it make it work so that you can do it the right way. Um, Make it work so that you can make uh Whatever that time is that you, you're able to set aside, you can set it aside for God and make Him the priority during that time. Um, so another thing is just preparing my heart and preparing my mind before the fast. So, you know, a lot of times, like I said, um, when I, especially back this spring, I remember I'd set aside some days I was going to fast and pray for my boss. And... Uh, I remember in the days leading up to that fast, I was I was dreading that day of fast. I was dreading that day because I knew, man, by the end of the day I'm going to be tired, and I'm going to be grumpy, and I'm going to be hungry, and I can't eat, and ah, man, I'm not looking forward to that. Well, that's just the wrong attitude to take into the fast. If you're setting that side at that time aside to spend in God's presence and to spend, you know, aligning yourself with Him and you know lifting somebody up, you know. Um, being able to bend God's ear and, and pray for uh, for for the healing of somebody who's really in a desperate situation, to go in it with that attitude, it's just not right. And it's just not going to be effective. It's not going to be powerful. It's not what God desires. It's not the fast that He desires. And we're going to look in, in Isaiah uh, 58 here in a little bit at the kind of fast that God desires. And then I think, um, I don't think, uh, I, I think, you know, we saw in Ezra, they were fasting for a purpose. There was a reason why they were fasting. And I don't know that every time that we fast, we have to, you know, I talked about fasting for my boss and praying for my boss. I don't think every time that we fast, it has to be for uh, for that type of a purpose. Sometimes it's just to draw draw closer to God. I'm, I'm fasting now because it's a discipline that I'm trying to put into my life. And it's, it's a practice I'm trying to put. It's something that I want to do on a regular basis and just... Um, you know, just be obedient to that and and see that the power 
uh, of that fast um, evident in my life. So I, I want that to happen. And so sometimes when I fast, it's going to be for things like praying for my boss. But sometimes when I fast, it's just going to be to draw closer to him and experience his presence and feel his power in my life and see what he's going to do uh, through that fast. And there's some things that he's promised we're going to look at that he will do when we fast and when we fast the way that he desires for us to fast. Um, now, I want to look in Isaiah chapter 58. We looked at this uh, passage a little bit this morning in Sunday school, uh, but I want to dig into it a little bit deeper. Isaiah chapter 58. And I'm just going to start in verse 1. We'll just look at this. It says, Cry aloud, spare not. You know, this, this passage really kind of speaks to me. It's, it's a... It's a, it's a this chapter is about fasting, but it really speaks to me because I can really identify with some of the things I see here in the beginning of the chapter. Then as we get through it, I can see things that excite me about fasting and kind of change my heart and my attitude toward it. And then at the end, uh, I can see the promises that God's made to us when we fast the way that he desires for us to fast. And they're pretty incredible. And those are things that I want in my life. Now, those are things I want for my family. And so uh, I want to make sure that the discipline of fasting is in my life and that's effective uh, in me. So start out with the beginning here. It says, cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet. Tell my people their transgression in the house of Jacob, their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask of me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching God. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen? Now, I've felt that way sometimes. But I can kind of look back at my fast and tell you why God didn't really see it very well. I mean, I'm going to fast on a work day because I don't want to, you know, lose my weekend. Uh, (laughs) Okay, so can you see why God wouldn't really see that? Why wouldn't really have his heart or his ear in that? Or, you know, yeah, I'm going to fast on a work day, but I'm just going to go ahead and work through lunch or whatever. You know, those kind of things... I think, I think, you know, I could go to God and say, why have you not seen? I'm pretty sure I know the answer. Where was my heart at? You know, what, where, where was my focus? What, was, I, was I just fasting because I felt like I had to? Or was I fasting because I wanted to draw closer to God and be in his presence and, you know, feel uh, him and his power in my life? You know, that's a, that's a pretty pointed question, and I think you all know the answer from what I've described to you of some of the ways that I've fasted in the past. Okay, it says, Why have we afflicted our souls and you take no notice? Now, man, that's the, that is the, I've, affli- I've tortured myself all day. I went a whole day without eating. Come on, man, what do you want? The attitude that I'm approaching that fast with, and to, then to be able to come to God and say, why, why didn't you hear me? I didn't eat all day. You know, when I'm really not seeking Him and I'm really not finding the joy in aligning my will and my spirit and my uh, desires with His desires, I'm just doing it because I think I should do it. Okay? And you should do it. You should be obedient to it. But there's a, there's a right way to do it. And we're going to see, see it here. It says, in fact, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure and exploit all your labors. Indeed, you fast for strife and debate and to strike with a fist of wickedness. You will not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. 
Is it a fast that I have chosen? A day for a man to afflict his soul? And you know, I, when I read that, it kind of strikes me, or, or really did. God's saying, hey, is what I want for you to beat up on yourself? Is the purpose of fasting just for you to starve and be hungry and grumpy at the end of the day? That's not what I'm after. That's not what I'm looking for. Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Would you call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? I think that's a rhetorical question, right? And so that means no, right? That's not what God wants. So kind of what I was talking about, about beating myself up and, and, you know, dreading going into it and then feeling like I was giving everything up and just, you know, the miserable attitude that I was approaching the fast with is exactly what these people were doing, I think. I think that's the attitude that they were coming into the fast with. And, and they didn't have God's ear. It wasn't working. It wasn't effective. And they were saying, why don't you listen to me? Well, <laughs> yeah. You ever had your kids just whine and whine and beg? and Well, do you listen to them? You shouldn't. <laughs> and God's not going to listen to us when we approach him that way. Okay? Here's what he has to say. This is not the fast that I, or is this not the fast that I've chosen? So he asked the rhetorical question. He says, would you call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? Basically, he's saying, well, what are you doing? You think that's what I want? You think I want you just to torture yourself and kind of no purpose and just went hungry for a day? You think that's what I want? Really? That's what he's saying to the nation of Israel, because I think they're approaching it again the same way. So then in the next verse, he says, is this not the fast that I've chosen? Now he's getting ready to describe the fast that he wants to have from his people. To loose the bonds of wickedness. To undo the heavy burdens. And, it, you know, this, I, I've read through, I've read the entire Bible a number of times in my life. But for some reason, this has never jumped out to me before the last few months. When I, kind of when I wrote this, uh, this lesson. And I don't know how many times I've read it. And I've heard parts of this because you get towards the end of this chapter and man there's some awesome powerful stuff but i never associated it with the fast and we need to tie it to the fast because that's what god's talking about here um but this is what the fast should look like so in our fast loose the bonds of wickedness in our fast undo the heavy burdens in our fast let the oppressed go free and that you break every yoke is our fast not to share your bread with the hungry and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out. When you see the naked, that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh. Is this the kind of fast? That, has anybody ever done this kind of fast? You know, I, thought, I always thought it was just about not eating and maybe spending time in the Word and, and, and in prayer and, and praise. And I think it is, but I think this is another piece of the fast. This is a... These are the things I care about. This is what God's saying. These are the things that I care about. These are the things that, that I love. These are the things that move my heart. And if you want to align yourself with me, these are the things that you're going to do in the fast. If, if you want to move my heart, you want to move your heart, you want, you know, you want us to align, you've got to, in that fast, you've got to do the things that I care about. You've got to love on, the, on, on people the way that I love on them. And not hide yourself from your own flesh. 
And that's interesting, isn't it? I mean, you know, to hide yourself from your own flesh. So I think of that, you know, you're separating yourself from your family, maybe, would be to hide yourself. This says you don't, you don't hide yourself from your own flesh. And we should be demonstrating the joy of the fast to our family and to our kids. And we should be walking in that together. Now listen to the promises that start in, in 8. And man, if you're missing some of this, this stuff in your life, you need to start fasting the way that God desires for you to fast. Um, and when I read these promises and the things that, that God said that He wants to do through the fast, it gets me excited about fasting. It changes my heart. It changes my approach. It changes my attitude and my outlook toward being obedient and making fasting and discipline in my life. When I read these things, it makes me want to do that. Now, you know, at the end of the day, at the end of a fast, I'm still pretty hungry. Jesus was hungry. It's okay to be hungry at the end of the fast. It's maybe a little pathetic if you fast one day and you think you're starving, but I'm not going to beat myself up for that. But, uh, But going into the fast, knowing what God's promised and and also knowing that he wants me in that fast to find ways to care about the things he cares about. And so uh, one of the things I've started doing in my fast is, yeah, I still pray. Yeah, I still praise. Yeah, I still pray uh, and read his word, study. But I also find a way to serve somebody. I find a way to do something for somebody who, you know, something that they need. Me to need, me to me to. Uh, Find something, and, and that's something I can get excited about because, you know what, if the love of God is in you, you should be excited about sharing that love and spreading it to somebody else. Um, and the Bible talks about uh, service, and it talks about, you know, serving people is great, and it's even better to serve people that are in the church. You know, we can find our brothers and sisters in the Lord who have a need that we can go and meet, and we can do that in the fast, and then our fast we're aligning ourselves with God's Word. We're aligning ourselves with the things that He desires, the things that He takes pleasure in, the things that He wants to do and He wants to accomplish. And we start to obey Him in the type of fast that, that He desires. So let's look at these benefits. Then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily. Okay? Have you been praying for healing that you need? Fast the way that He he. he that he desires for you to fast. And your righteousness shall go forth before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. And they shall call and then you shall call and the Lord will answer. What a great promise, right? To be able to know that when I call, God's gonna answer. My wife would probably like to know that when she calls, I'm gonna answer, but sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Uh, but God says, when we fast the way that He's prescribed that we fast, when we call, He's going to answer. You shall cry, and He will say, here I am. If, if you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, and the speaking wickedness, so it's given us some more action items that we can do. If you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness, and your darkness shall be as the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. You should be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. 
those from among you. Now, when I read that phrase, those from among you, I think of my kids, my offspring. Okay, so this is what they're going to do when I'm fasting the way that God's prescribed for us to fast. Those from among you shall build the old waste places. You know, we talked a little bit in Sunday school about building the old waste places, that, that, that passage right there. So, you know, in the context that, that this was written, they're talking about restoring Jerusalem, right? They're talking about rebuilding the temple. They're talking about building the wall. They're talking about, so those from among you will restore. So think of the spiritual significance that that has, that promise of when we fast the way that God desires for us to fast, the promise that He's given us for our kids. Think of what the spiritual ramifications of that are uh, for our kids. There's, there's an awful lot of victory in that statement. Amen? It says, You shall raise up the foundations of many generations, and you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable, and shall honor him, not doing your own ways, nor find your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words. Then you shall delight yourself in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth. Doesn't that sound good? And feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. You know, I think that's that's a pretty incredible promise that God's made to us when we choose to fast the way that he desires for us to fast. And I think that the promises that he's made, that he's given to us, it should move us to want to have that discipline in our life of fasting. And so however, you know, that looks for you, like I said, um, you know, if it's if it's starting out with fasting one meal once in a while or, or fasting, um, for me, it's one day a month. I, I try to fast one day a month. and um, But having that discipline in my life and being able to read uh, through that l- last part of Isaiah 58 and know that I can claim those promises in my life. I can claim those promises in the life of my kids. I can, I, you know, I can expect my healing to come forth speedily. Those promises that I can stand on uh, when I fast the way that, that he's prescribed for me to fast. And I'm not saying I'm doing it perfect yet. But I'm working on it, and I'm getting better. And I think that that's, you know, that's part of this walk, is getting better, getting better at it. And, and you know, getting to the place where I, can, where I can go to God and say, hey, you know, I'm fasting the way that you've prescribed for me to fast, so I know that my healing is going to come quickly. I know when I call, you hear me, and you answer me. You know, those promises uh, are pretty incredible. You know, and, and Matthew uh, 6, uh, 18 through 21, we've already looked at that, but it, it talks about how uh, laying up our treasure in heaven. Okay, our heart will be there also. So when we fast, we're laying up our treasures in heaven. And I think Isaiah 58 kind of expounds upon that. And those are, those are eternal promises that impact us here on this earth and, and impact us for eternity as well. Amen. Uh, so I, I'd encourage you to find a way uh, to be obedient in the fast. I think uh, I've challenged our discipleship class uh, to do a corporate fast together. And so our idea there is that we're going to do some kind of a service uh, 
something. We don't know what it is yet. But something that, that fits into that Isaiah 58. We want to do that together. Spend that day of fasting and prayer and service. You know, I heard this week that it's Yom Kippur. And that's a, uh, a Jewish holiday that they celebrate. And so I, I looked that up to see what it is. Because I, I never even, I've heard the term, but I didn't know what it was. But Yom Kippur, they go to their synagogues and they spend a day fasting and praying. You know, our religious holidays, we get together and eat a bunch of turkey. You know, so I think it's time that we corporately, as a body, spend some time fasting. And that fasting means, yes, praying. Yes, studying His Word. Yes, praising His name. Worshiping Him. Spending time in His presence. But it also means serving. Getting out and doing what is important to God. Touching lives and changing changing lives uh, through our actions. So, Again, I've challenged the discipleship class. I would extend that to the entire body. I talked to the pastor, told him uh, I was going to issue that challenge to the entire body, and he's he's on board. So we need to find something that we can do as a body, as a service group, uh, and pick a day, do some serving, do some fasting together as a body, and 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 have a purpose to to that fast. Amen. Uh, so I think that that that'll be coming up shortly. Um, and uh, we'll be obedient in that, and uh, we're going to rejoice in the fast together. And then I think, you know, the other my other message would be implement that discipline in your life, whatever that means to you. Have a regular, disciplined approach to fasting in your life, so that you're able to to to, to go before the Lord and say, you know, I claim those promises you made to me in Isaiah chapter 58 when I fast the way that that, that you prescribed for me to fast. Amen. Uh, that's all I've got for you this morning. We'll close with prayer. Again, uh, if it's your first time here, come back next week. Pastor will do a better job than I did. So uh, we have a, a pastor who's very much anointed of the Lord. He brings uh, the word to us every Sunday. Uh, he's a, uh, a demonstration of a disciple of Christ to us, an example, uh, and a leader, a shepherd for this church. And so uh, I'd encourage you to come back and experience what what God will have for him next Sunday. Uh, Let's close in prayer. Amen. Father God, we just thank you for this time we've had together to spend in your word. Lord, I pray that uh, this word would find good ground in our hearts, Father God, and it would produce fruit in our lives. I pray that we would have uh, passion to seek you in the fast and to make it uh, a discipline in our life, that we would uh, have a passion to uh, fast in the way that you've prescribed and that we would have the promises of Isaiah chapter 58 in evidence in this body in evidence in our family, in evidence in this church, and and it would spring forth and produce fruit uh, in this community, Father God, in Jesus' name. pray that we'd have a good week as we go from this place. I pray for uh, the discipleship class to follow. Father God, I pray that you'd bless uh, the meal that we're going to enjoy together, and I pray that your spirit would lead that time of of, uh, fellowship together and that your word would continue to impact us. In Jesus' name, amen.